Dude, the In- Invincible was a sick album, dude. That album was crazy. <laughs> You're the first person I've ever met who's like, dude, 2000s Michael Jackson hit hard. You know, like that was that Dude, was are you serious? Or are you like fucking with me? No, I'm not fucking with you. I'm Invincible is a sick song. You Rock My World is one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs ever. It might be my favorite Michael Jackson song ever <laughs> that was in 2001. Like, yeah, there's a lot of good songs on that on that album. You're so good at arguing that you have created a conversation <laughs> where I'm saying Taylor Swift is talented and some and you're saying that 2000s Michael Jackson is talented and you've spun it where I'm the weird one. I'm <laughs> I'm the outlier here, you know, like that's that's if if that's not an endorsement for this show that people should listen to you, I don't know what it is. Like if, <laughs> This is Hot Hand Theory. This is a podcast where we talk about the NBA and break things down from an analytical perspective. I'm your co-host, XJ. As always, he is my brilliant co-host, Jeff. And Jeff, despite the Knicks' recent turbulence, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Jeff, we both live in the South. So for me, you know, the weather's like a beautiful 75 and breezy. The birds are chirping. (laughs) I know the Knicks are going through a tough patch. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I agree with you. If anything, I'm a little bit too warm. Um, Agreed. I need. I need it to get. I need it to get colder. Honestly, like I, I. I don't know about you, but I. I run cold. I. I like. Like my parents keep it super warm in their house. Drives me nuts when I go and visit them. Yeah. Same. Um, <laughs> oh my god, dude. We grew up in. We grew up in. I grew up in Florida, and like they. It would be like 75 degrees in the house, and they would be walking around in sweats, like making fires and stuff. And I'd be like. What? <laughs> happening here like making fires is hilarious yeah, yeah it's the same for my parents when i my parents keep it currently they they keep it at 80 in the summer because oh, my dad my dad doesn't want to run up the ac the to run up the electric bill so he's like right. well we, it, it really conserves energy if you keep it uh, you know 70 78 or higher that's exactly right. the situation if you're listening so. to this we got hot hand theory has to go worldwide just so xj can pay his parents ac bill that's nuts dude. that's the <laughs> That's no, way my, crazy. <laughs> my, it's, they can absolutely afford it. My dad is like a ridiculous frugal person. I don't know what happened. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Or... Obviously, I wasn't <laughs> yeah, like attacking no, your parents' no, finances. I, I was, I, <laughs> of course, I would never do that. Jesus. And we start the show with Jeff attacking my parents' <laughs> financial situation <laughs> as we proceed in. Um, well, uh, you know, despite that, the Knicks are going through the opposite of a hot stretch. They are going through a cold stretch. Um, for their recent games, you know, their, their recent games have been their recent games, whatever. They're very injured. They're two and two in their last four after losing four in a row prior to that. Um, they're almost as banged up and injured as the Memphis Grizzlies right now, which is crazy to say. So I really think there's only one place and we both think that there's only one place to really start. And that's with doing a check in on the Grimes and Fournier trade for Burks and Boyan. Um, we haven't gotten to talk about this on the pod. So, and we have, you know, I think it's seven games of sample right now. What are your early thoughts and how do you parse out the trade, um, and the two Knicks acquisitions, uh, so far and moving forward? So I think from the Knicks side in terms of what Burks and Boyan are going to do, it's just too soon to not to comment, but to have a final conclusion, because especially Burks, but I would say both, neither player is playing the role that they were traded to play. 
or traded for to play, excuse me, like they were brought in to be the final, to be the seventh and eighth men on a team that was ready to contend for a championship. And so like, if you look at Alec Burks' shot chart, when he was in Detroit and he was playing really well, over 60% of his shots were threes and he was shooting over 40% from three, which is really good. But then he comes to New York and there are all these injuries and Tibbs maybe correctly is like, okay, Alec, we're going to lean on you a little bit more for playmaking. You're going to have to create some shots of your own. And he struggled to be frank. He's, he's struggled, but like, that doesn't really matter. He's not going to be creating. If he's creating offense in the playoffs, the team's fucked anyways. And the team would have been screwed if Quentin Grimes was creating offense in the playoffs. It's not like a shot at Quentin Grimes. It's just they need Brunson and Randall to be their top two initiators to make any sort of playoff run. So I'm not really worried about what Alec Burks is doing with the ball in his hands. I do think they should lean on Boyan a little bit more because I think he has more creation chops than he's been allowed to show early on in his next tenure. I'd actually rather he was running pick and roll over Burks, like if they needed, uh, and it's disappointing that like they've sort of been pigeonholed into these structured roles. Like, Hey boy, on your, the wing, you're going to be more of a spacer. And it's like, maybe we should look at the player profiles, not so much as what position they play because Boyan is a really, really wonderfully gifted pick and roll operator when he's running like the secondary pick and roll, when he gets, when somebody else bends the defense a little bit and then somebody goes and sets a screen on the other side of the court, he's actually a pretty gifted passer. He can create mid range looks of his own. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, there's just a lot of conversation about Alec Burks right now. And it's like, look, if Alec Burks is playing this role in 10 games and 20 games, when the games really, really matter, it's, they don't have much of a chance anyways. So I, I'm more concerned about his shooting. What about you? Yeah, I <laughs> we have the exact same perspective. Like I, I could have just been you saying that, <laughs> everything that you just said. <laughs> um, the, only, the only place that we kind of differ is I have a very sneaky suspicion. I hope that I'm wrong. Um, but I can tell you how this, what the suspicion is and what it's informed by. I have a very sneaky suspicion that they brought in Alec Burks thinking that he can do, have some playmaking and, and on ball creation value, uh, you know, to back up Brunson. So we, before the trade happened, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, a guy like a Malcolm Brogdon, um, a Jordan Clarkson, a guy who can kind of run the offense and initiate things and have some creation value when Brunson's off the court. And they didn't get one of those guys. Instead, they got Burks and Boyan, who are largely, you know, two off ball shooter types. But as you mentioned, Boyan does have some creation abilities. Um, so, so, so they brought in those two players who don't necessarily fit the archetype that it seemed like they were looking for. To, the, to us, to the outside, I just am a little worried that they thought, the organization thought, and maybe because, maybe I'm worried about this because Tibbs has played uh, Burks at the, at the point guard for, <laughs> and we've seen him do that ahead of a player like Emmanuel Quickly. I just am a little worried that they thought we can bring in Burks to have some playmaking abilities here, you know, in spots when Brunson's not on the court. And... As you said, as you suggested, that's not Burks. That's just not who he is. That's he's not what he's good at. Um, I looked up a few stats. According to B-Ball Index, Burks is in the bottom 10th percentile in the NBA in what B-Ball Index calls playmaking talent. 
Um, and that includes how much a player creates shots for others through their passing, how good of a shot they create for others, um, shot quality for others, and how much gravity they command when they're on the ball. Again, Burks is bottom 10th percentile in the NBA. Um, he is a spot-up shooter. I- I'm sorry. He's just a spot-up shooter who has good. who's a good connective passer. But when we look at everything else that goes into kind of like creation, he's a bad mid-range shooter. He does not have a reliable floater. He does not get to the rim consistently. He can get there sometimes, and he can draw some fouls. But when he gets to the rim, if he doesn't get fouled, he doesn't get good shots at the rim, and he doesn't make shots at the rim. Um, He is not a guy you want to create for you. You want him to be in the corner. You want him to spot up, and maybe he can bail you out in late shot clock situations with some off-the-dribble threes. That is who you want Alec Burks to be because that is who he is. And for me, it's like you should only trade for a player if you know who the player is and you plan to deploy him in the role that best accentuates his abilities. So right now, I mean, you mentioned it. I agree. We're cutting them a break. I'm cutting them a break because there's no team. Like they're throwing shit at the wall, whatever. You know, it's fine, I guess, if you say, okay, we don't have anybody. Burks, can you create... I agree with you. I'd rather see Boyan in that role. I'd rather see you say, hey, let's run, let's spam Boyan Bogdanovich pick and rolls and have Burks be in the corner than the opposite, right? Like I would much prefer that. But, you know, there's nobody out there. Let's say it doesn't really matter what they're doing, kind of. Um, but to me, if Burks is deployed as this on-ball shot creator when the team is more healthy, like there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse. There's no, because there's no like, oh, you know, our scouting department thought he was better at this stuff. It's like, no, you literally have every piece of data at your fingertips. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And also, he was on your team for two years. Like, you you literally know who the player is. Like, you could not know better who the player is. Like, this, he has not, his profile has not changed in the last two years. This is who he is. He's just more of that because, the, I, I, at least it seems clear, the Pistons were like, oh, this is what he's good at. Let him do that. And the Pistons being the most inept organization in the league, that should tell you something. It's not too difficult to figure it out. Um, and, and the last note I wouldn't say before throwing it back to you is that I just think it's so important to be clear about the fact that role is like everything when it comes to impact. So when we say a statement like, you know, player X has a Y impact, there is also as a part of that sentence, there's this like parenthetical unstated sp- part that's like, quote unquote, in his role. Like you have to add that at the end. So if I if I was to say Alec Burks has a net positive impact, you have to finish that saying by saying Alec Burks has a net positive impact in his role as a spot up shooter and off ball defender. Like that is part of it. Once you change that that latter part of the sentence to something else, the the former part of the sentence will also change. It's important that you like everybody understand that role contingent impact impact is contingent on role like that is how it is if you take prime Kyle Korver who I looked earlier today shot 50% from three on seven attempts per 75 possessions and had a 71% true shooting as a two guard I, I, I had to I was like I don't know if this is real data or not but that is that is his real stats if you put the ball in his hands and say hey create offense his impact is going to be trash. Like, that's just what it is. It, does that mean he is a trash player? Obviously not. It means that the team's deployment of his skills is is trash. That's what that means. So to me, 
the, his impact, Boyan's impact, it doesn't matter right now because they're not being deployed in the roles that best suit their skills. So it's compl- it's almost wholly irrelevant to me. As long as when we're health, when the Knicks are healthy and they have their guys out there, they're deployed in the ways that best maximize the skills that they do have. That's all that matters to me. So there's a side of this that we haven't talked about yet, and I'm, I think we should. Do you know? First of all, do you know how bad the Burks and Boyan minutes have been so far? Like, have you looked at that at all? The lineup data or the on-off data? No, I haven't. So the Knicks are losing Boyan's minutes by almost twenty points per hundred possessions, and Burks is at almost eighteen per hundred possessions. They've basically just been getting absolutely obliterated when those two play. And they play together um, a lot too. I know they play as together well, a lot. So, yeah, yeah, but. I mean, the offense hasn't been good. They're barely scoring 100 points per 100 possessions, but they're also allowing over 120 points per 100 possessions. This is a very small sample. That's okay. Like, I'm sure a lot of this, this will normalize, especially the, I'm more, I'm less worried about the offense because I agree with you. There is a concern that like, even when fully healthy, Tibbs isn't going to stagger Randall and Brunson at all. And there are going doing going to be stretches in playoff games where it's like Burke surrounded by shooters and he's like, go get him, Alec. And it's like, dude, no. No, <laughs> like, dude, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I agree that's a concern. But I do think even if that happens, in at least in the regular season, if the team just gets healthy, the offense is going to be fine. They just have too many good players. They, they have too much... Yeah, they, they just have too many good players for the offense not to normalize a little bit. I am concerned about the defense. Um, I just think that all of a sudden, like, even if you bring Mitch back and you have 48 minutes of really solid rim protection, really good defenders in the middle, the Knicks kind of are light on good defenders now. Getting rid of Grimes, getting rid of quickly. Like I know OG is really good, but they're relying a lot on him. A lot. Because... Like what they have him and DiVincenzo and Hart, and that's about it. I, I know we can talk a little bit about, about Julius Randle a little bit. I know me and you are probably more bullish on his overall defensive impact than most are, but like I don't know. I I still I don't know if I'd want to like rely on Julius Randle as a stopper, a consistent stopper, you know. And if you look at the overall data, we're trending in a very similar direction to where they were trending last season when you went on multiple podcasts and were like, this isn't sustainable. What are we going to do? Because look, the Knicks have now fallen outside of the top 10 in overall defense. They're not a top 10 defense anymore. They're really good at offense overall, or they're, they're, they're inside the top 10 offense, but guess what? They're number one in the league in offensive rebounding percentage. Again, that is driving their efficiency again. And, I feel like the build of this team is meant to be different. Like with DiVincenzo shooting how he's shooting, OG and Ananobi playing how he's playing. Again, you don't want to jump to too broad a conclusion because they're hurt. There have been, you know, these things. But I am a bit worried that this is just going the direction that it, it, it was going last season. Yeah, I, I I hear your concerns. I, I I gotta say I don't share them personally necessarily in the in the way that you describe them, and and the reason for that is so Quentin Grimes. I don't think Quentin Grimes definitely had a positive defensive impact when he played. He didn't play that much. Um, he didn't play that much, and I think the Knicks still had 
one of the best defenses. Like like defense was not an issue for them. Their their issue was offense um, prior to the trade happening. The the thing about it is that I just feel like Quentin Grimes is a really really good defensive player, and I think if he played more minutes in New York, and that was the reason why their defense was good, I would have, I would be more concerned now. But that wasn't the reason why their defense was good. The reason their defense was good was because they had OG Ananobi and uh, and Isaiah Hardenstein, two players who were both at least in the running for defensive player of the year, like definitely two potentially all defense level players playing at the, you know, the maximum level that they're capable of. That is why their defense was so tremendous. So to me, the more of the issues is with regards to the defense is the fact that OG is literally not there. And Isaiah Hardenstein has been not healthy. He's not been healthy. Like those are the two priorities to me in terms of getting guys back in the lineup and healthy is whatever you have to do to get Isaiah Hartenstein healthy, whether it's, um, you know, I'm told that rest is not the appropriate way to, 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 try, to try to deal with an Achilles tendinopathy, which it may be fine. I, I, I read some sources. I'm not a doctor. Um, there's something to making sure you strengthen the tendon without continuing to injure it. I'm not sure how playing basketball is the best way to strengthen the, attendant, the, the Achilles tendon without continuing to injure it. Um, there's probably other things that you could do physically that would strengthen it without injuring it further. But Whatever you have to do to get Isaiah Hardenstein back healthy, you have to do that. I don't, whatever it is, I don't know what the answer is. Whatever that answer is, that's what you have to do. That needs to be a priority. And OG Ananobi coming back healthy needs to be a priority. When you have those two guys, you have a great defense. I, I genuinely believe that. I think you, if you have OG and Hardenstein in the lineup, it doesn't really matter the three other people you put around them. You'll have a great defense. You talk, And then you add Mitch back into the equation. If he can come back and anchor your 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 second unit defense then 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 I, I just have no concerns about the defense long term if we have those three guys healthy if they're not then yeah if any one of those three is not back healthy then yeah it's a problem um but i'm not so concerned about it to me it's like stuff like burks and 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 boyan playing together that, that almost should probably never happen like i see them as sort of like interchangeable pieces with one another though they have slightly different skill sets different sizes like there's no reason for them to play together because they're sort of redundant and then also that really guts your defense if you're playing Burks and Boyan together Um, they are going to play together (laughs) you mean in the playoffs yeah why would they play together do you you know how Tom Thibodeau substitutes you know what's going to (laughs) happen Okay, <laughs> well then, 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 then Thibodeau gets judged accordingly because because to me it's not about the fact that I think the Knicks, if everyone's healthy, have all the pieces to truly contend for a championship right now, and so I don't think it's a I don't think we can judge them based on how their performance is necessarily. I think we have to judge them based on how the players are deployed and if they're deployed appropriately to maximize their skills or not. Burks and Boyan being on the court together doesn't really make sense unless. OG and Hardenstein are both on the court. And I don't think of there's going to be many scenarios where you have Burks, Boyan, OG, and Hartenstein all together and Brunson and Randall are not out there. Like, I, don't, I just don't see those scenarios like playing out. So um, you don't you don't see Burks, Hart, Burks, Hart, Boyan, uh, OG, and Mitch is like their bench lineup. Like, isn't that just what it's going to be? 
if I mean, if it's OG and Mitch with them and OG Mitch and Hart with them, then maybe it's not so bad, but maybe that's the only scenario I would be okay with. To me, to me, I view it like OG plus OG and Mitch or OG and Hardenstein plus whoever is fine. Um, if OG's not on the court, Burks and Boyan can't both be there. It just, they just can't. I'm just saying it's either going to be Randall or OG. That's going to be the bench unit. Like he's going to play, he's going to play Brunson the whole first and third quarters, basically maybe more depending on, you know, he's going to play 40 to 42 minutes a night in the playoffs. And those couple minutes to start the second and fourth quarter, the bench unit is going to be Boyan, Hart, Burks, a backup center, and then either Randall or OG. That's going Here, to be the. Here's the issue, Jeff. If you are, if you're, if you're the Knicks and you're saying, "Hey, we're going to compete for a championship this year, and we're going to trade away a young player who has potential down the line, but we don't think fits the mold of what we're trying to do to compete at the highest level this year," if that's your 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 ethos and that's kind of like where you're going, it for me when you bring in Burks and Boyan, it doesn't matter. If they play, if they play five minutes, if they get benched, if they play 40 minutes, you're just deploying them as you need them. So I don't like for me, there would be plenty of playoff games where Alec Burks would never get off the bench. Like it's there's no need for him to get off the bench if you if that's not what you need, if his skill set is not what you need. So and I've been getting a lot of pushback on this, but getting Alec Burks can't mean that Deuce McBride is a race from the rotation, like including in the playoffs, because McBride is flatly a better playmaker than Alec Burks. Like, and I, I know it's like, oh, let's bring in Alec Burks who can do some playmaking. It's like, no, Deuce McBride is a better playmaker than Alec Burks. Every, Isn't he just better? Like, he's just better. He's just better. I don't know if he's a better shooter. He's has shot better. I, I don't know if he's a better shooter. So I don't know if I rely, if I am more confident in Deuce as a shooter that, uh, than I am in Alec Burks, but um, that's fine, but I'm just saying, isn't he a better basketball player? Doesn't yeah. He, overall, nope. overall, yeah. Deuce is a better basketball player shouldn't, than Alec shouldn't Burks. Shouldn't that? Shouldn't you do that in the playoffs? Shouldn't you play the better basketball player? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and the point of bringing in a guy like Burks is like it doesn't matter if he's a DNP because you're not developing him. You're not hoping that he blossoms into something later. You're not trying to get him, you know, important minutes for his development long term. You're just saying, is he going to help? me yes or no if no he stays on the bench if yes he plays so that is just that to me i agree with you that deuce mcbride is a better basketball player currently than alec burks i think that there are situational uh moments when alec burks makes more sense than deuce mcbride and he should only play in those moments so yes i i I agree i think you're dancing around something that most knicks fans understand but at the time of the trade, the vibes were just so good that we didn't really let ourselves have the conversation. And that's that this Grimes trade is a trade you make as the final thing. Like if you look back in the history of the NBA, teams that are willing to give up a young piece that has shown the multitude of levels that Quentin Grimes has – for you know, a couple of veterans who aren't going to be on the team in a year, two years, or whatever, you make that trade as the final trade or one of the final trades as a true contender. And they inherently put real expectations on their team for this season. Like you can't go into these playoffs and be like, yeah, but like they got unlucky playing the Sixers with Embiid returning in the first round, you know, like or. Those conversations can't happen. This team has to perform. 
This team yes. has to perform in the playoffs or that trade was frankly a disaster. Like it, it just was because look, they made the second round last season. They should have made the conference finals. I'll, I'll just be blunt. They're like, they were a better team than the heat. They, uh, they should have made the conference finals. They didn't. They played a lot of Josh Hart and RJ Barrett together. Is that why they lost? We don't know. That's why they lost, but I think that contributed. Those lineups were a disaster. Um, of course, the Knicks had some unfortunate injuries. They had some unfortunate underperformances before the injuries from Emmanuel Quickly and a little bit Julius Randle, but you know he was playing hurt, so we'll cut him some slack there. The point is, is that they made the second round, but they had this young roster where there were multiple threads forward. They 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 had an excuse to quote unquote not contend because they could be like, okay, well we still have chips. Like maybe quickly, maybe RJ, maybe Grimes makes a leap. You know, there are multiple paths forward. There aren't multiple paths forward anymore. All three of those players are gone. They've traded them all away. Um, We're very confident they're going to resign OG and Obi, but that is basically the return they're going to get for those three players from a player perspective. Like they're going to get some short-term rentals, but it's basically OG and Obi. And their only path forward besides this is please have a superstar force out and say he wants to New York. That go to New York. That's it. And so if that is if those are your only chips left, you have to be sure that the guys you already have are close to contending. Um, and I think they are, and I think that's the standard they should be. To be clear, I'm not saying they're not gonna contend, but I'm sick of this like half-assing pre-rationalizing that I hear from Knicks fans like oh this isn't the season no it's the fucking season dude like it is the season um the this is theirs for the taking like I know the Celtics are really good we talked about on hot hand theories Twitter the other day the Nuggets are awesome I'm not saying like it's championship or bust but it's look like a championship contender give the Celtics a run take care of business against the teams you're supposed to take care of business against and some of these trends are kind of worrying in that regard Man, I, I think that's so well said. I wanna I wish I could give you a standing ovation. It'd be kinda awkward to do it on the pod though. Um but yeah, I it's it's totally right. I it just is because it is the last trait the last move that you make when you say like we're a contender, we just need these pieces this year to, to put us over the top and then you do it. Um and the thing is that yeah, I, I kinda I'm not going to say that they're not, you know, like I, I think they can be if they if this team was fully healthy, if this team was fully healthy, is there a team better than this team in the East, you know, besides the Boston Celtics? I, I don't think so. I think that I think I would have this team at like number two in terms of odds to make it to the finals. Um, They'd be betting underdogs against Milwaukee and I would bet a lot of money on the Knicks. Like, yeah, I would bet. I would bet an uncomfortable amount of money if I was able to get the Knicks. <laughs> Seriously, like as dude, underdogs dude. against Milwaukee. Yeah. Like, again, yeah, as underdogs against Milwaukee, I would I would go down with the ship, you know, like and 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 that's not me being a homer. I just objectively feel yeah. like, dude, they were destroying teams when they were healthy. Like that was and that's yeah, the including thing, like, with a healthy Embiid, Philly with a healthy Embiid. Yeah, right. They went into Philly and just dismantled them with with, with Embiid. This and of course you don't take it on a one game sample, but they were just. They were so synergistic. God damn it. Is it synergistic? Synergistic. 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 Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. so yeah, synergistic. We're no, they, they were not doing, they were not sharing drug needles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were so synergistic and they were just playing so well. Like 
God, they're having the conversation on Twitter today about like if Brunson can be a one A on a championship. Dude, who fucking cares? But if Brunson was ever going to be a one A on a championship winner, it's this team. Yeah, like that's this. This is it. This is how you build around Jalen Brunson. Uh, honestly, if the Knicks don't meaningfully contend healthy this year, I think we have to say like you either have to say Becky is right or Tibbs isn't the coach. That's it. Like those, those are the two options. Listen, listen, the truth is, the truth is it comes down to, it just generally, genuinely comes down to like a Tib situation. If they don't, if they're healthy, again, it's either health or it's coaching because they have the pieces, they have the tools, they have the weapons in place, they have the synergy, they have the defensive players, the elite defensive players in the league, they have the elite offensive players in the league, they have elite shooters, they have elite on-ball defenders, elite off-ball defenders, they have everything that you could possibly want. They have mid-range shooting, they have ISO scores, they have guys who can spot up some of the best spot-up shooters in the league. Like you just can't you can't have more if you don't have, you know, Jokic um, then this, if you don't have SGA and even F- SGA, I'm not sure is better, you know, in terms of having him alone than, than having all of these amazing weapons that so fit well together, then this is it. This is it. This is the best you can do. This is the best you can do. So yeah, if we, they don't, we can't, we can't walk away from these playoffs being like Brunson needs more help. No, it, absolutely not. Absolutely no, it's, not. It's we need, if, if, if we feel, if Knicks fans feel like the team underperformed this, this season, needing more help needs one means one of two things one he needs a new coach who will optimize the players this this core better two they just need to get a better player than Jalen Brunson that's those are those are the those are the two outcomes this season if the if the Knicks uh yeah. underperform in the playoffs yep I agree with that I think that that's I think that that really summarize it summarizes it extremely well um and I think that's where we're at. I think it's a good place to, to stop talking about the Knicks because it's kind of waiting on health right now and it's kind of waiting to see what, what happens. But I think that we've seen where these pieces are. Um, the last thing I want to say is just um, looking at Boyan. Boyan is shooting 43.6% from three as a Nick, including 51.7% on catch and shoot threes. Um, so while being horrific defensively, I'm seeing what I want to see from him in the situations where it will actually make sense for him to play and contribute. I'd like to see him be, you know, kind of in the on-ball creation role a little bit more. Um, but the spacing is not even there really for it to happen um, with the lineups that they run out there. So I, I, there's only so much you can do. And on the other hand, you know, Burke's only shooting 32.4% from three, but He's shooting 39% on catch and shoot threes. He's shooting 25% on pull-up threes. And he's taking almost as many. He's taken 18 catch and shoot threes since becoming a Nick and 16 pull-up threes. Like there's no way his ratio should be <laughs> nine to eight in terms of catch and shoot to pull up. So, you know, for me, it's just we're seeing, in my opinion, what I want to see from these guys, which is that they knock down threes. <laughs> that's what and, and that's what their role should be. And in that role, the Knicks should be able to thrive with those guys. Yeah, Burks, I mean, Burks specifically, he went from, as I alluded to earlier, he went from over 60% of his shots being threes to under 50%. That is the efficiency gap right there. And it's almost entirely encapsulated by a change in role. If he reverts to the role he was playing in Detroit, the shots will start going in again. Maybe he won't be a 40% three-point shooter, but he's a good enough shooter that like he'll make threes at a plus clip for it in an off ball. And by the way, 
he should be. He should be a 40% three-point shooter. I, I, he's shot 40% the last four years of his career. That I, That is what he is. He shot 41% last year on high volume, 40% as a Nick the previous year on reasonable volume, 42% the previous year on high volume. He's a 40% three-point shooter. So, yes, he should shoot 40% from three, and I believe he would if he's just getting catch-and-shoot three-point opp- opportunities. I mean, they have the Knicks have five players shooting 39% or better from three this season in their rotation. And not one of them is named OG Ananobi. So like, I mean, what you just said, you know, a couple of minutes ago, is just so spot on. Like they have check every single box that you want around Jalen Brunson. They have it. There's no, as long as they're healthy in, in two months, this is, that's what they're building towards. And yeah, I mean, look, it, it stinks like watching a game like last night and just being like, this doesn't matter. But the truth of the it didn't matter. Like it was just none of it was relevant to what we're going to hopefully see in a month. Um, and so that's why we're talking about this trade because the, the truth is that the trade represents where the Knicks see themselves. And I personally feel like Knicks fans haven't taken the leap with the front office and not gone all in, but emotionally put themselves in a position where it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to place real expectations on this team. We expect them to make a conference finals because look, obviously some of it will come down to seeding. If the Knicks are the four or the five seed, okay. Conference finals. It's conference finals. Isn't a realistic outcome. It's either finals or second round then because you either beat Boston or you don't. Um, But the point is, is that, you can tell when it's over if you're looking at a championship contender. And I think what what we're looking for as Knicks fans is a competitive series against Boston specifically because I think that they should beat anybody else they play. Perfectly summarized.